Hey guys, welcome to the Mosaic Podcast. We're coming to you from the heart of Los Angeles, California, and it is our joy and our privilege to know there's a tribe across the world that has joined us on this mission of Jesus. I'm amazed how many people have told me that it's this podcast that has really given them life, has renewed their faith, and for many of them have rediscovered Christ. If you're one of the men and women who have been encouraged and helped and strengthened and maybe even rediscovered your faith because of what's happening here at Mosaic, I want to ask you to take a step and become an investor in what God is doing through Mosaic. I love the fact that our community here in Los Angeles has been committed to you. Now I'm going to ask you to be committed to them because together we can do more than we could ever do alone. So I want you to go to the mosaic.org give section of the website and I want you to make a commitment to be a part of taking this message across the world. When we receive, we should be grateful. But when we give, we are now expressing that gratitude in tangible, practical ways. Let's together get the message of Jesus to every corner of this planet. Enjoy the podcast, and thank you so much for joining the tribe. So last week, we took a moment and looked at that Iconic moment where Jesus is born and Mary and Joseph are in the manger and you have all the players in the scene with the angels and the shepherds and the magi. And you begin to realize that it's not the, the usual suspects that God brings together when he steps into human history. And if you're going to write the story of God and how God would somehow flip the script and instead of stand outside of history, would now stand inside of it, which is extraordinary all by itself. You wouldn't expect the next chapter to come the way it does. You know, have you ever felt like you were not wanted in your own home or in your own place? Or you ever felt as if somehow you didn't belong, but it was actually yours and it belonged to you? I don't know if you, you know what I'm talking about. You ever, you ever put on your clothes and it doesn't fit anymore? <laughs> it must belong to someone else because this can't be right. It, it, can you imagine being God and creating the entire universe? Creating everything that we know of as human history. Creating life on this planet and creating us for a relationship with him. Creating history to exist inside of him. But then by the choices we make, we push him outside of our history because we want to have a history without God. And so even though human history is supposed to be inside of God, we push God outside of our history. And so then God steps into our history so that he could once again make us a part of his future. And wouldn't it be strange if you were God and you entered into human history and you had to run for your life? <laughs> you don't think about God being on the run, do you? I, you know, we live in the city of infamous on the runs. Well, I, I, when I first went here, it seemed like almost every week somebody was in a white van and uh, running for their life. Or someone would be down the 5 or the 405 or the 10. And even in the last week or so, more, there's, there's always someone who thinks he's going to outrun the police, outrun cars, outrun helicopters. You can't even outrun the news you're not going to outrun the law. And, but they're on a run, right? And, and we can't help it. We, we want to change the channel because we know it's, how it's going to end, but we don't. 
How long is he going to get away with that? He just keeps running and running. And some of them, they, they, they finally get, stop the car and they get out of the car and they just start running. And honestly, some of the guys that get out of the car, they don't look like they've ever run in their whole life. And I'm going, this is the first time you're going to try running. It's really something you should practice before you try to run away from the law. But most of the time when, when someone's on the run, it's because they've done something wrong. It would just be the greatest irony to have to be on the run because you did something right. And that's exactly what we find in Matthew chapter 2. See, I, I don't know if you know this, but in the story of God, there was a period of time in the history of God where God was on the run. He was unwanted, and he was being hunted. In Matthew chapter 2, beginning in verse 13, we we're told this. This picks up after the Magi have had a conversation with Herod. After they found Jesus and they were warned not to return to Herod. In verse 13 it says, When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt. When he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, out of Egypt, I called my son. When Herod realized that he'd been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious. And he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity, who were two years old and under. In accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning. Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel, for those who are trying to take the child's life are dead. So he got up, took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea in place of his father Herod. He was afraid to go there. Having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee. And he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. So was fulfilled what was said through the prophets that he would be a Nazarene. It is a peculiar beginning for the life of Jesus. I don't know how your life started. Maybe you feel like you went through a life of turmoil, unpredictability, uncertainty. Maybe you're still recovering because something has happened to you in your childhood that, that no one would want to have happened to anyone. But can you imagine, here you are, God himself entering into human history, taking on the posture of innocence and helplessness as an infant. And the first thing that you have to deal with from the psychological trauma of the history you've just entered in is that people want to kill you. I mean, now doctors are telling us that what you experience while you're pregnant affects the child. We didn't know that before. We thought we had 10 months of reprieve where we could still be bad humans. But now we know that those 10 months where that child is inside of your womb, that what you're feeling, they're feeling. What you're going through, they're being affected by it. That when that child takes its first breath, it is not a blank slate as... Psychologists thought in the past. They thought when you were born, you were a blank slate, and what happened from that moment forward is who you became. 
but that's not reality. God bless you. That while you're on the journey, so here Jesus is being carried inside of Mary, and it's already tumultuous. They're already having to go on a hard journey before Jesus is born. Maybe that helped prompt labor, Beck, (laughs) riding a camel or a donkey. Might Might be exactly what you need right now. And traveling the distance, and Mary gives birth, and Jesus is born into trauma. Jesus is born into displacement. Jesus is born into a world where he's unwanted and hunted. And so after he's born, they have to run for their lives. They're warned in a dream that Herod is going to kill him. And so Joseph and Mary have to head out of their home to a land called Egypt. And what we don't oftentimes think about is that Jesus was actually an illegal immigrant. He went into Egypt, did not get his passport, did not get government clearance, crossed a border without permission, not of his own accord. His parents did it. And he was a refugee in a foreign land. And not only was he an illegal immigrant and a refugee, but he was actually wanted by the government. And his parents were carrying illegal contraband. His name was Jesus. That was wanted by their government. And they were carrying divine contraband. That isn't the story you would expect from God. You would think that if God were born to the world, he would have a protected environment. He would have had a kingdom that was already set for himself. He would have had a place, a throne waiting for him. This is so helpful to me because sometimes I feel like trying to figure out God's intention and direction for more my life is like walking through a maze. You ever feel like that? That trying to get to the place where God wants you to be, trying to live the life that God created you to live is sometimes so confusing because you're going, God, I'm trying to do the right thing, but it doesn't seem like things are working out the right way. And so I look at the life of Jesus and I'm reminded that God has a very unique and powerful way of working in our lives that goes counter to our intuition and expectation. When they had gone, an angel Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape. I think we need to highlight the word escape to Egypt. Run for your life. And protect the child. It feels like a sci-fi movie. Stay there until I get, until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. They're coming after you, and you need to run. I cannot imagine for a moment that Joseph and Mary could have conceptualized that the king of Israel who was born into the world would have to run from Israel to Egypt. See, sometimes we... We think that that way if we align ourselves with the will of God, we're on the straight line, but the path forward is rarely a straight line. And I think that's why sometimes we get confused by our language. We, go, we talk about walking in the will of God. When I became a follower of Christ, people would always say, make sure that you're in the will of God. And, and the will of God was always sort of described as like this tightrope. Because you, you have to make sure you're walking in the will of God because God's will is a straight line. And if you veer to the right or left, you just ah, fall off. 
And now you've lost God's perfect will and you're like in his imperfect will. I'm like, whoa, this is really confusing. But if you think that walking in the will of God is walking a tightrope straight from one direction to another, you're going to get lost because going forward for God is rarely a straight line. See, Jesus, though born in Bethlehem, and though the end of his life would be in Jerusalem, had to go to Egypt. That wasn't a straight line. And you think, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, but God's always moving forward. But one of the strange things about God is sometimes he moves forward and it feels like you're moving backwards. See, God is always advancing his purpose in your life, but it may look like you're losing ground. I can imagine that moment Joseph and Mary thought, maybe we got this thing wrong, except that he received it in the dream. God's talking to him. Okay, that's pretty good evidence. But it must have been absolutely shocking to say, wait a minute, God, why should we run for our lives? We have Jesus with us. He doesn't. Why should we run? It seems like it should be Herod who should be on the run, not God. I, I, I think sometimes we convince ourselves that if we finally get into the presence of God, we can stop running and just start resting. We can settle. But more often than not, when you actually embrace God's intention and his will and his purpose for your life, he's going to disrupt everything in your life. Because God is doing something much bigger than what we have oftentimes intended for ourselves. So if we're going to follow God into his future for us, we're going to have to give up the straight line. We're going to have to give up the A to B to C and say, God, I thought you were going to do it like this. And I thought, God, isn't this the easier way? There's just fast ways to get nowhere. I think so many times we're recommending to God the fast way to nowhere. And God's trying to show us the long way to somewhere. Run for your life. Escape to Egypt, stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child and kill him. So they got up, took the child and his mother during the night. He got up and left for Egypt. This is not what Mary was expecting. And they stayed there until Herod was dead, which I, I think is a little disturbing. Because I, there are times in my life I feel like God has shut down. Wait, wait a minute, God, I thought you were going to do this great thing. Because I am just waiting for the perfect timing. I think sometimes we want God to move faster and we actually convince ourselves that God is not faithful to us. But God is just waiting for the right time to form. See, the great thing about this whole scenario is that God was never going to die, but here it was. (laughs) There's only one of them that had an expiration date. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said to the prophet. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, this, this next part is really disturbing. So he so it was fulfilled what the word of the Lord had spoken to the prophet. Out of Egypt, I called my son. He, Wait a minute, we thought we were running for our lives because Herod was such an ominous force that we had to escape because he was so powerful, we had to run in fear. No, 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 he's saying, you don't understand. I already said this was going to happen. I need this to happen. This is a part of the story that I must tell. And so I'm not having you run from Herod, although it feels like you're retreating. I'm I'm having you run toward your future. Because I know it's actually advancing. I said this so long ago, for my son will come out of Egypt. See, sometimes we think that we're going backwards, but actually God is moving us fast forward. 
No, there's a bigger story I want to tell. You ever want God to do a huge thing in your life? But you want to keep all the dangerous wall. Going, God, I want to have an out of Egypt kind of story. I just don't want to go to Egypt. I don't want any Herods in my life. But if you're going to have an out of Egypt story, you need to let God bring the Herods into your life. And when... And so it was fulfilled what the Lord said to the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. And when Herod had realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he'd been outsmarted by God, he was furious. And he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under in accordance with the time when he had learned from the Magi. And I know this is not a part of the Christmas story we ever read. This is the story that we will always skip over. And never tell because we don't want to tell the whole story. The beauty of Christmas was born in the tragedy of humanity. And then it goes on to say, this is what was said through the prophet Jeremiah. And this was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning. Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted because they are no more. And that's when we ask the question, how can God possibly be real when he allows such great tragedy in the world? And in fact, it's the number one reason I discovered that people say they cannot believe in God. Say, I cannot believe in God because there's so much suffering in the world. And this is where we need to step back and realize that if there is no God, there is still this same great suffering. And so the tragedy is that if there is no God, Human history is still the same. We're still the people who kill each other. We're still the people prone toward violence and war, hatred and bitterness, jealousy and envy and unforgiveness. We're still the same humanity, but without hope. And we ask the question, well, why would God allow this to happen? Go, no, you understand, this is what we are allowing to happen. See, God is not the one causing Aleppo. He is the one weeping over Aleppo. Asking us, how is it possible that you exist and allow this to happen? We try to deny the existence of God because of the damage we've done. It seems to me that God should deny our existence. And after Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, get up, take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel. For those who are trying to take the child's life are dead. Problem's over. Herod's dead. No more bad guys. Isn't that great? Human history is finally fixed. It was just all about Herod. And so they got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But, oh, there it is. That's the butt of humanity. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea in place of his father, Herod, he was afraid to go there. And then having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee. And he went to live in a town called Nazareth. And so was fulfilled what was said to the prophets that he would be called a Nazarene. 
So even though Herod now is dead, the danger hasn't left. And you know why the danger hasn't left? Because humanity's heart is still the same. And the, the tragedy of this moment and the triumph of this moment is wrapped up in the same realization. That there are always Herods and the sons of Herods and the sons of Herods. The human history is full of violence and full of darkness. And that's not proof that God does not exist. It is the proof that God had to come into our existence. Because this is the story we tell without God. And this is the only story we tell without God. And it's the story of humanity that God has stepped into so he could change not only our history, but our hearts. And so when he thinks he can come back home, he can't because there's the son of the king. And what you realize is that that when God is calling us to himself and when we begin to follow him, we begin to life, in a sense, on the run. Because when you begin to live in relationship to God, you realize that straight line is never the way forward. But you also realize that there will always be forces against God's intention in your life. I mean, this is what Joseph and Mary had to discover early. If they thought being entrusted with Jesus would change the course of their life in a positive way, they were at least wrong in the short term. Right? Which, which by the way, I, 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 I think is really important for us to clarify. See, even if you're here and you're still trying to process this whole thing and figure out whether you should trust Jesus with your life, and, and maybe you're going through a really hard time and, and you're going through a real crisis in your life, maybe you're going through things that are overwhelming you, and you think, oh, if I give my life to Jesus, all that stuff will be taken away. It's not quite like that. See, see, Joseph and Mary entrusted God with their life. Joseph and Mary took on responsibility for the physical manifestation of God himself in Jesus, and everything got worse. The safety and security they knew was gone. Their home was no longer available to them. They were now refugees and aliens and hunted. Their life of obscurity probably looked so appetizing for what they received when they said yes to Jesus. And what you begin to realize is that when you begin to lean into the life God has for you, you will begin to experience more opposition than you ever have in your whole life. See, if you're just swimming, if you're just floating downstream like a twig, you feel no resistance. But when you decide to come to life and start swimming upstream, the resistance comes. And you may even become angry with God going, God, why is my life so hard right now? God, why are you letting this happen to me? God, why are you doing this? And I think God's like, you know, you understand, this was always happening. You just were not alive, so you didn't know. And now you've come to life, so now you see what you're swimming against. This week, I was on the phone dealing with a crisis. I don't know if, if you have those days where you're just one crisis after another crisis after another crisis. This is one of those days. It was just, it was just called a Thursday. Yeah. Right? And I'm on the phone. I'm dealing with crisis after crisis and, and, and conflict after conflict. And I'm just, you know, we're just working all things out. I think it was Thursday. It might have been Friday. I don't even know anymore. It, it's all the same day. And I'm driving 
from Pasadena through Burbank and I hang up the phone and I, and I start praying. You ever just start praying just automatically? And I don't know if it was one of those strategic prayers or, or desperate prayers and going, oh God. What? And, and it was one of those, oh God, what is going on? I, I, it wasn't even a God fix this moment. Or God show me what to do. It was like, God, why is this happening? And I'm telling you, this is not an exaggeration. This is not an embellishment. I took a photograph to prove it. Okay, maybe I should put it on Instagram. But a car, a red car, symbolically, pulls up in front of me, driving down the highway, and I look at the license plate, and it said, Evil One. <laughs> I don't try to like get all weird on signs and things like that. And you ever be like, God, speak to me? Whoa, not that clearly, please, you know. I see, I'm like, this can't be right. And I, I, I should wear glasses or contacts, but I don't. So I thought, maybe I'm not reading that right. So I started pulling up and tailgating. <laughs> Evil one. So I pull out my phone and I get this photo thing and I'm, I'm trying to take a, I'm driving down the highway, taking a photograph of the light, thinking this can't be, maybe it's like not really here. And I'm having one of those moments that's usually drug induced, but it's just stress induced. And, and, I, and then I, I look and I, and I blew it up on my phone and there it was. God, what is happening? Why is this happening? Evil one. If that's your plate, change it. Unless, of course, you're just simply there to remind us that there will always be forces that war against us when you pursue God's intention for your life. There were, war, there were forces that warred against Jesus and forces that went to war against Joseph and Mary. And everything God was initiating in the world came with great opposition. Which I think it's why Matthew interweaves into this narrative, oh, by the way, this is what the prophet said, and this is what the prophet said, and this is what the prophet said. Because he wanted us to know no matter how many forces come against God's intention, God is always one step ahead. And so Joseph's like, I want to go home, but I cannot go home because it's still too dangerous to go there. And so they have to go to some place he doesn't even know. They have to go to Galilee. It's like having to move to Burbank. Glendale, Calabasas, I don't know, Pomona, who knows? Had to move somewhere you haven't been. You have to move someplace that, that your people are not. You have to move someplace you don't know, someplace you're not at home, someplace that you still feel displaced in the world. So they went to Nazareth, and, and they're saying, well, why do we have to go here? And I love the last line. So was fulfilled what was said to the prophets, that he would be called a Nazarene. You see, well, part of what we need to realize is if we're going to move with God, that the way forward is rarely a straight line. So get ready to zigzag through life, get the unexpected, step into the mysterious, live in the life of the uncertain, and accept the fact that even when you feel like going sideways and backwards, God is always moving you forward. 
to realize that if you have no resistance, you're going in the wrong direction. It's absurd. People go, look what's happening. Oh, you know, you must be out of God's will. We have had too many people tell us that we're out of God's will when bad things are happening to us. Somebody needs to talk to Jesus then because he must have really been a mess. <laughs> but is it possible that the opposite is actually true? That if there are no forces warring against you, if nothing is pressing against you, if nothing is trying to weigh you down, if nothing is coming at you, that you're just going in the wrong direction so nobody has to mess with you. But when you go to war against darkness, the light piercing the darkness will create a chain reaction. And and that's why, by the way, when, when you decide today's the day, Today's the day I, I, I change course. Today is the day I become the person Jesus created me to be. Today's the day I start following God. Today's the day I stop compromising. Today's the day I throw all the excuses aside. Today's the day I step out and risk. Let me tell you, you're going to have all kinds of people that were your friends who are no longer your friends. You're going to have all kinds of people who were cheering you on when you were doing nothing. Because people who want to sit on the bench cheer on people who are willing to sit on the bench. But if you get in the game... You know, you, know the, you know what happens when you first get in the game? You're lousy. And you mess up. And everybody in the side goes, look at him. I, I think it's amazing. You ever watch sports with guys who their greatest athletic feat is to get a potato chip to their mouth? <laughs> right? like, look at man, look at that. Another turnover. I hear so many guys, like at first when Austin Rivers was playing, go, oh, he's just playing because he's the coach's son. Another mistake, another turnover going, dude, he's getting paid millions of dollars to play a professional sport. And you're here chopping on your burrito thinking you're better than him. <laughs> Let me tell you, the worst athlete in the world is better than all the observers. And the only way you can ever make a mistake on a world-class level is to be willing to compete at a world-class level. And every time someone steps up and takes a risk, and every time someone steps out and puts themselves on the line, we should be celebrating them and applauding them rather than critiquing them and criticizing them. But there's always going to be forces that war against what God wants to do in your life. But, but I, I also want you to just see one last thing. That last line. This is what happened. So to fulfill what the prophet said, that he would be called a Nazarite. See, what, what this whole story is about is Jesus stepping into his story. It was said about Jesus that he would be born in a time of great tragedy, a time of great loss, a time of, time of great weeping. And so the timing was with the massacre of Herod. It was said of him that he would come out of Egypt, so he, he had to run for his life. They had to run for their lives so that Jesus could come out of Egypt. It was said about him that he would be called a Nazarene, so it would not be safe for him to go back home because it would have been the wrong story he was in. See, because the story of your life 
is the way God actually forges the person you become. See, the journey you're on forges the person you become. And everything that needed to be said about Jesus so that 30 years later they would know that he was the Messiah, the Christ, the chosen one. All the declarations and descriptions about the Messiah were actually being attached to Jesus in this time that seemed as if God was on the run. Which I think begs a really important question. I think most of the time we think that God is forging his greatest work in us when our life is working for us. But is it possible that God wants to write on your life he's a Nazarene? He came out of Egypt. He was born in a time of great darkness and sorrow. But he was the sign of hope. Is it possible that God is allowing you and me to go through experiences, to go through challenges, to go through moments that we would never wish for ourselves or anyone else because God has a story that needs to be told. And the story he tells is through the person you become. And you cannot help anyone whose suffering has been less than or more than you. So you have to bear your suffering. You have to take on your great challenges. You have to be willing to let God allow the woundings to come so that in those woundings, you become the story that brings hope to the world. I am so grateful that Jesus did not come and live a story where I could not sense his empathy for me. See, I know Jesus can understand my story and yours. I know when we feel alone, Jesus has been there. I know when we feel displaced that Jesus has been there. I know when we feel like we don't have a place in this world that Jesus has been there. I know in those moments we feel we have no hope and no future that Jesus has been there. See, I know when you feel like everything is warring against you and God has abandoned you, I know that Jesus has been there. And what I love about who Jesus is is that his character as a man was not forged in a vacuum. But God took him on the most difficult of journeys to make him the man we needed him to be. You will become what is forged by your journey. So if you make choices in your life that always choose the easy way, you will never become everything God created you to be. If you make the choices that that relieve you from the tension and pressure cooker of life because you can't handle the stress, because you can't take the weight of it, then you will never be everything that people need you to be. See, maybe this isn't for everyone. See, maybe it's just for the person who says, God, I want to live a life that actually carries the weight for someone else. Because it's only for those. 
Because when you entrust your life to Jesus, when you choose the path that he has prepared for you, he's not going to simply make you strong enough for you. His entire intention is to make you strong enough for others. So I think to myself, I want to live my life on the run. I don't want to live one day of my life where I've decided to make my life more stable, more secure, more safe, more comfortable, just because I can't take the journey that Jesus is calling me to. I want to live the life that when I look back, I can say, you see who I am? It's because of where I've been. And that's the choice you can make today. Who you will be in the future will be determined by the choices you make in the present. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Remember, we can do together what we can never do alone. Go to mosaic.org slash give and join us in taking this message and spreading it across the world. God bless. Thanks so much.